welcome to the series Running with the Giants. You guys ready for the word this morning? I shared with first service, I heard one time um, from a minister that Josh and I used to listen to years ago. He said something that really stuck with me. He said this, that he wanted to live his life in such a way that he never needed a miracle. And when you first hear that, you're thinking, well, wait a minute, aren't miracles really good? And yes, they are really good. But here's what he was trying to say, that he wanted to live his life so consistently by the word of God and make it so personal to himself that he never needed a supernatural bailout. He thought that if you lived your life financially according to the word, that your finances would always be blessed, that you would prosper. If you received his word about your health, that you would always be healthy. You remember when uh, Reverend Hockaday was here, he shared a story of a guy who he preached the word of God about healing so much that his body would actually not release him to die, even in his old age. And so we believe at Coastal Family Church that the word of God can change your life. And we, uh, we endeavor, we always endeavor to teach that. So today we're going to start this new series called Running with the Giants. And if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to start um, in, a, in a scripture that uh, we believe Hebrews is written, written by Paul, but it starts right here. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you should ask yourself the question, what is it there for? And if you go to the chapter ahead of that, it's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. And uh, it just is an account of all of the heroes or the giants of the faith that went before us and all the extraordinary ways that they trusted God in situations that were unusual and extreme and how God came through for them in extraordinary ways. So when it says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's who it's talking about. That's who it's referring to. This says, let us throw off, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So this week and the next three weeks following, we're going to be talking about uh, your race. And I want you to imagine that you're, you're running around a track and in the grandstands around you are all of these giants of the faith. And each week we're going to take one of those giants down out of the stadium and they're going to jump in the lane with you. And they're going to take experiences from their life and from their journey and hopefully empower you to run yours with more perseverance and uh, just encourage you along the way. So today I'm actually going to start with the giant Isaiah. Not many people preach on Isaiah. Um, and when I, when I went this route, I didn't know much about him myself either. But he was one of the greatest uh, prophets of the Old Testament. His book is 66 chapters. And uh, a prophet is simply a seer or someone who sees supernaturally things in advance. And Isaiah actually saw Jesus and his life on earth so vividly 800 years before Jesus ever walked the earth. He was so accurate that his prophecies are actually quoted 50 times, over 50 times in the New Testament. So we're just going to take Isaiah's life and we're actually going to start in chapter 6, his calling. And uh, we're going to try to pull some things out of that. They're going to help us in our own journey. So if you would go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. So the first thing I want you to write down today if you're taking notes is this. An encounter with God changes everything. If you didn't bring uh, any notes, someone actually so graciously blessed us. They felt Im impressed on their heart to go buy some stuff. So if you forgot your notebook or you just didn't have one in the first place, these guys want to hook you up. Just let them know and uh, they will get one to you. 
you needed it, got a couple hands up here. So the first thing that you're writing down is an encounter with God changes everything. Uh, when I was studying for this message, I actually heard a statistic from a church that actually the church Jordan's going to, Church of the Highlands. We love them. Uh, they're phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal people. And uh, they had in 2016 their Easter service. They had over 60,000 people in attendance at their church. And here's something unique that they do, and you'll understand once I tell you why, but they stick a little piece of paper on every seat for their Easter service, um, and it asks you three things. It says, uh, I'm already, you just go check it. It says, I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. I would like to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today, or I'm not interested. And on that day, actually in Easter, 11,000 people checked, I would like to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nobody can count 11,000 hands, so they had to do it on paper. I actually think it's brilliant. But one of the other things that they did is on the bottom of that, they said, hey, we're going to teach a new series coming up, and we want to know what your questions are. And so they gave people the opportunity to uh, write if, you know, any question that you have that we could teach on that would empower you to run your race uh, more effectively. And by double, two times the amount of people wrote this question over any other question. And that was, how do I hear the voice of God? And so what I think is that we all want to encounter God in a new and fresh way, but we're not really sure how to get there. So we're going to start in Isaiah's Calling. And we're going to take a few principles out of that that hopefully will help us as we go throughout our week and throughout our journey. And I'm going to jump right back into verse 1, Carson. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. The doorposts and the thresholds here are just representative of the foundations of your life. You know, there's times in your life like, Uzziah, like uh, Isaiah, the threshold and the foundations of his life were shaken when King Uzziah died. And what I think he wants us to see here is this, that our greatest pain can be the catalyst for our greatest gain. About two years ago, I was sitting in my office, and uh, fortunately my sister didn't come today, so I can tell her story without getting in any trouble. But she came into my office, and um, that's not something typical for her to do. Usually I spent most of my days here alone. But she came in, she said, hey, I, I want to tell you something, and I want you to kind of get in agreement with me. She said, I've just been to the doctor, and I have a lump in my breast, and they, they kind of went ahead and took the sample, and we're going to find something out in five to seven days. And so I wasn't super shaken at that point. Uh, you know, we're just going to get an agreement, and we're going to believe God. And uh, five to seven days comes, and we get the report, and she does, in fact, have um, an aggressive form of cancer. And so we just made the decision that we were going to stay in faith about it, and uh, she decided to go with the augmentation. And so we started that journey. What's incredible about Missy is that she didn't let her pain overtake her. Um, she's a single mom at the time. She's not anymore, but she was a single mom at the time, the only source of income for her two daughters and herself. But if you followed her on Facebook at all, if you know her, she's dear. Uh, she has no fear at all. And uh, she just embraced life, and she was encouraging people through her entire journey. And uh, so we went through her, her augmentation, and we were doing all that, and they took some lymph nodes at the same time. 
And they said, we're going to check them. If they're clear, you're done. We can move to reconstruction. Well, they checked them, and there was, I think, six out of eight of them actually were cancerous. And so we had to go back again. So we had to actually do the recovery from the first one. And then we had to go back again. She's out more work. She's recovering. She's in pain. We're empty in drains. It's not a fun process. Never one time did I hear her complain. Never one time. They do uh, that second dig. We're good. No more, uh, no more lymph nodes with cancer in them. So we move into reconstruction. She actually made the decision, and I encourage you to be led if you're ever in this situation, but she actually made the decision to refuse chemo. But she did do uh, radiation. Actually, during that time, they found another place of cancer in her bones. And um, she, just, she was relentless. She every time took her pain and just handed it right to God and let him make it her greatest gain. Uh, last week, I was sitting in my office before staff meeting, and she and her husband, DJ, actually were here before I got here. And when, I, when he came out to see me, he said, hey, it's been a year since we got married. And I said, really? And you, most of you don't know this. is her first, uh, her first surgery was the first time I ever heard DJ's name in the history of ever. I never knew him. But uh, she kept, like, laughing at her phone, you know, like that giggle that girls get. And I was like, who's that? Nobody. She was, she was pulling that one. By his third surgery, I was calling him. Please get here. She's in a lot of pain. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm freaking out, and she needs you. And uh, so he came in. He came in, like, the uh, just fantastic way. Um, throughout the course of it. But what I want you to see here is that Missy would probably tell you today, much like Isaiah, that she allowed that experience to become one of her greatest encounters with God in her 40-some years of life. Not only did he heal her physically, he provided for her financially, and he brought her a Boaz in the middle of it. If you don't think God can take your pain and turn it into something great, you've never met my God. The next thing I want you to see is in Isaiah 6, verse 5. It says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. The next thing I want you to write down is this. When we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. And this is where a lot of us who've been doing this faith walk for a hot minute, this is where we want to push back. Because even though we've been serving God and we've turned a few areas of our life over to him, there's actually a couple of them where he's kind of tugging a little and we're pulling the reins back. Like, nope, do not touch that one. Do not go there. But you're not letting God touch the deepest parts of your life and you'll never encounter him until you let him touch the deepest parts of your life. We, um, I had a small group that I led um, end of June, and we went on a trip. We decided instead of doing the six weeks once, you know, every, every week, we decided we were just going to do it all in one package deal. And so we took three days away, and we went to the mountains, and we went whitewater rafting, and we ate. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's one of my girls. And then we, uh, we did some stuff on the Blue Ridge Parkway, and then we ate, and then we drank some coffee, and then we ate. And uh, we had so much fun. They went to every single one of my favorite restaurants, poor things. Um, So we had a really good time. But I learned something really powerful when I was on this trip. 
One of the nights we were uh, at the campfire and we were eating s'mores and uh, Winnie bought the biggest s'mores you've ever seen in your life. You couldn't even like, it was everywhere. It was just everywhere by the time you got done with it. But I asked him a question because I just love to know this kind of stuff. It makes me tick. I said, what's your favorite thing about Coastal Family Church? And the one thing you hate. I was feeling a little brave that day. Um, And what they said to me, I'll tell you what they hated first just to get it out of the way. They hated that we stopped Wednesday nights. Um, but here's why we stopped Wednesday night. It was their favorite thing, small groups. One of the ladies said to me, uh, said to all of us actually in that time, she said, uh, about, I guess it was a year or two ago when we really started small groups full time. And she actually was not a huge fan of the concept. And she said, um, I was in a season of my life where my children were grown and I didn't have them to care for. And my parents had passed on, and I was through that season of caring for them. And I'd attended Coastal Family Church for actually a few years. And I would come in every Sunday, and and I would hear the word, and it would change my life. But there was nowhere that I really fit. She didn't belong, and small groups changed that for her. Mine was only like, mine was not the first small group she did. She'd done four or five ahead of that, maybe more than that. I think they do like, all these girls do like two or three every semester. I can't keep up with that kind of pace. But uh, that's what the season that they're in, and they're loving it. And, uh, but they taught me something so powerful. You see, the lady who shared that same thing with me the night before on the porch, uh, there was kind of two generations, mine and theirs. And there was two of us in my generation and three of them in in the other generation, mothers, if you will, in a sense, to uh, me and the other girl. And the other girl shared her story. First time I've ever heard it. I've actually known her for years. First time I've ever heard this. But when we began to see God more clearly, she began to see herself more clearly. And she opened up her heart and shared a painful experience that she had, nothing that she had done, but actually something that had happened to her. Sometimes life just happens to you. You don't cause it, but you are on the receiving end of it. And, and she was in the process right there on the front porch of taking off those broken pieces and trying to do something with them. And one of the mothers stepped up and she said, I've been there. And she told her story. And there together on that porch, they found freedom. One encountered God because she was sharing her story. And one encountered God because she was receiving the healing that only a mother of the faith can actually impart on some levels into that daughter. And what I want you to see is that there are times when you will see yourself more clearly. And you'll have to choose whether you embrace that brokenness and let him make that exchange for you or whether you push back. You see, sometimes church has taught us that we have to change. We don't change. We make an exchange. Every single time, if you're trying to make change, back up a hot second. It's an exchange. Only God can do what needs to be done in the depths, in the deepest parts of your soul that you don't expose to anyone else. And then the last part is this, that God removes our past so we can redeem our future. Go with me, if you would, to... Isaiah 6, 6 through 8. Give him a second. Thank you, buddy. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. 
Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Unfortunately, I think that we've not really grasped the, uh, the true effects of righteousness. And sometimes the guilt is what stops us from moving into the past that God has for us because the past or the future that God has for us, that is where the most exciting encountering God you'll ever step into in your entire life. But we've not really grasped righteousness. We were actually having this conversation with my parents the other day. Do you ever really stop and think about the fact that you were, you were isolated from God because of your sin? And Jesus came and made all of that right for you. So now that you have full access back to God, like throw it back to walking in the garden. Like you have that again living on the inside of you. You have all of that purpose that Adam and Eve had living back inside of you. And literally he's walking, not beside you now, actually on the inside of you. All of the fullness of God, everything we ha- need to walk out the purpose and the plan that he has for us is living on the inside of us. All of the, everything that everyone else needs in your environment is actually living on the inside of you. But we have to release our past. The coals actually came from the altar where they sacrificed animals for the atonement of their sin in the Old Testament. And that's why he said that. Because God wants to remove our past so he can redeem our future. Sometimes I think we focus a lot on behavior modification in church. And all that means is change your behavior. (laughs) That your sin is this and your sin is that. And I agree with holiness. I absolutely think it's, it's, it's the way to walk your life. But we've taught people that they have to make the change before they come to Jesus. But the reality is that true life change only comes through a relationship with Jesus. Not a minute before. It's only through. The last verse is this. It says, Then I heard the Lord asking, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. I think Isaiah is giving each one of us an invitation of sorts, to get in the game. This is his call, but there's three things that we can take from it, is that your greatest pain can be the catalyst for your greatest gain. When you see God clearly, you can see yourself more clearly, and that he wants to redeem you, redeem your past. He wants to remove your past so he can redeem your future. It's his invitation to you to get in the game. I want to pull three more things out of Isaiah, just some encouragements from him before, we, before I turn it back over today. And the first one is this, that God wants to reveal more of himself to you. From the front to the back, from the pastor to the lost person, every single person in the room, God wants to reveal more of himself to you. And the minute that you stop believing that is the minute you get bored in your Christian walk. It's the minute you get stuck in your spiritual journey because you sit there and you think, we pull up a scripture, I say Hebrews 11, and you go, oh, that's the hall of fame of faith. I've heard that one. Been there, done that. It's a dangerous spot. You will never encounter God in that place. There is always more that God wants to reveal to you. When Tiff asked me, um, we were actually, I don't know if we were in staff meeting creative, we were talking about this series, and she said, 
you know, they were interested in getting some different voices in the pulpit, and they asked me, and I said yes, of course. Um, but then she came back to me later, she said, are you sure you want to do that? You see, I had actually said to her, I need to cut back just a little bit for, you know, a couple months. I need some time to invest in some other areas of my life. And she graciously gave me that. And so she came back to me and she said, are you sure you want to do this? This is a lot more time. And I don't know why I said it. I said it before it came out of my mouth. But I said it before I even thought about it. It was just out. And I was like, no, you know what? This is actually good for me. It will force me to dig in. Because God wanted to reveal more of himself to me this week. And I would have missed that opportunity had I said, don't go there. That place in my life is not available right now. I'm busy. But he wanted to show me something. He wanted to show me, he wanted to introduce me to Isaiah probably more than he wanted to introduce you to him. But you just get the after effects of it. I want to challenge you with something. I didn't even read you the scriptures. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And then Jeremiah actually tag teams this one in 29, 13. And he says this, he says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Go all in. This fence riding stuff is actually not good for any side. You end up not succeeding on any level because you're stuck in the middle. You're half in the world and you're thinking you're enjoying that, but when you enjoy it, you're miserable. And then when you try to enjoy church, you're miserable because you're half over there. All in. And I think we're afraid. I think we're really, I'm super afraid. If you had told me a couple years ago that I'd be standing here talking to you, I would be super afraid. I would have run, and I don't run. I don't run. If you know me, I do not do cardio. I do not run. But I would have run from this. I would have run from it with all my might. Because we think, we have this idea that God's going to call us to some hut in Africa. You know, like it's, it's going to be this horrible thing and we're not going to enjoy it. But can I tell you something? Everything God has for you, you're going to enjoy with all of your heart. He has nothing bad for you. Everything good. Go all in today. The next thing I want to tell you is that God wants to change you. He loves you just the way you are, but too much to leave you that way. Go with me to Isaiah 1, 18 through 20. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. God wants to change you. But your only role in that is just to be willing and obedient. He makes the change. All we do is submit our lives to him. When he says go, we go. When he says stay, we stay. And First Peter, Carson, can you take me there too? First Peter 2. Two and three. Brock, you can join me wherever you are. It says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. When a baby's born, and I was not a super nurturing mom, but I was smart enough to know this. When a baby's born, you don't feed them steak and send them to high school. 
It's baby steps. It's one, if you're one of those really good moms, you actually document each little tiny step. They got a tooth today. They pulled up on something today. Caleb has none of that. His daddy probably remembers it all, though. We might have pictures somewhere. But it's baby steps. And your spiritual walk is the much the same way. It's baby steps. If you're lost in here today, you need to know Jesus. It's the decision that a hundred of us have made and it changed our lives and there is no going back for any one of us. If you've received Jesus, the next step is water baptism. We just finished one in June and we're uh, putting another one on the schedule for some time in the, in the year. She's shaking her head no, he's shaking his yes. Now we really are. Uh, we talked about it this week. We don't have a date yet, but if you're interested, you let us know. We want you to make that next step. And if you've been at Coastal for a while, but you've never gotten involved, I really, really, really encourage you. Go to the growth track. Join a dream team. Some of the greatest relationships that I actually have are right here on my dream team. I actually get more, I've gotten more fulfillment. And this is a change I had to make about three years ago. When I stepped into the role, nobody trained me to be a worship leader. I got a phone call one day from Tiff. And I was a really good rhythm guitar player. I mean, average rhythm, but you know, I mean, I was, I was comfortable there one day. And she called and said, hey, would you lead a team? I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't even sing at that point. And this is probably six years ago. And I kind of got to the place where I was comfortable in that zone. And then she came back because, you know, she's relentless. <laughs> Never let you stay the same place. And um, I had a young guy on my team then. His name was Alan. And she said, I want you to mentor, Alan. I want you to see these people on your team differently than uh, just showing up and helping. I want you to develop them. Because we kind of have a mentality around here. It's replace yourself. And there's actually nothing more fulfilling than being down there. And the tendency is actually probably to be afraid that I am replaceable. Because guess what? There's five people who just did it as good as me, if not better. And that's our tendency, is to be afraid of the next step. What's it going to hold? What's it going to look like? It's going to be better. Every single time, it's going to be better. If you've never joined a small group, do it. I double dog dare you. If you've never given or tithe, jump in, the water's fine. I actually have the benefit of being the bookkeeper too. I'm the worship leader and the bookkeeper. And uh, I did something a couple years ago and it actually, it changed my life. Every time I do something crazy like this, it, it affects me probably more than it affects anybody. But I took the, our, our giving and I broke it down into four different levels. There's people who tithe consistently, people who give consistently, but it's not a tithe. There's people who give inconsistently when we uh, ask for something like a backpack drive or a, you know, anything else like that, any type of outreach where people can sew in. And there's people who don't give. I also have the benefit of kind of seeing people who mm, need more assistance in their spiritual journey than others. And the people who are at the consistent levels are walking in a lot more victory every single time, the correlation. And if they do hit a bump, the recovery is just like that. There is something about yielding a part of your life to God. 
especially finances. And I don't, like I said, I'm the bookkeeper. I don't need your money. Thank God we do not need your money. I don't need a penny of it. You can ask anybody that knows anything about it in this, this building. We don't need your money. You need to get in the plan of God for your life. You need to take the next step. Some of you come into our worship services and we're a little crazy. It's grown on me too. I was not that nearly that crazy um, in the beginning. But your toes got the victory, but that's about it. <laughs> got a little bit of this going on, but that's as far as you're going to take it. Take the next step. Not because I say, because the word says so. It says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Lift your hands in the sanctuary. Praise him with the dance. At least start with clap. If you can't make it to dance, just start with clap. But you will not regret. You will not regret it. There's not an area of your life that I guarantee you could ask anyone in this building that they've submitted it to God, that they've ever regretted it. Everything he has for you is better than what you're going to give him in the exchange. The last thing I want to tell you from Isaiah is this, that God has an assignment for you. Why do you think he wants to encounter you? Why do you think he wants to change you? Because you're part of his plan, and there's no plan B. It's us. That's what he redeemed us for. It's to get on course with his plan. Go with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 3. Arise. Arise, church. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. If you find yourself stuck in your spiritual journey, and you're not encountering God the way you wished you were. It's time to get up. You got stuck because you, you stopped allowing God to make the change. You stopped seeking him. But Isaiah wants you to know today that you can encounter God again. That you can start fresh and new. And God wants to do something with your life. He has an assignment for you. I want to leave you just one more scripture from Ephesians. Tiff, you can go ahead and come on up. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Take the next step. You're an important part of God's plan. I love you guys.